Okay, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter number 3. Matthew chapter number 3. If you have your Bible, if not, we'll put the scripture on the screen for you. Matthew chapter number 3. Let's pray. Father, I ask for your Holy Spirit to come in this place in a strong way. We give our lives over to you. We want nothing more than a touch this morning that changes us from the inside, that helps us to live stronger for you, not just to see more victories, but those are assured, but that, Father, that we would be pleasing in your sight, that our thoughts and our deeds would please you we give you complete control in Jesus name and everybody said amen I want to preach this morning on the thought of prepare the way, prepare the way. You see, from the beginning of time, ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, there has been preparation being made for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you and I are preparing for him to come back and take us to a place called glory to be with him. He's in a place preparing uh, a home for you and me. And it's not just homes, the Bible says. It's also uh, mansions, the Bible says, that heaven is filled with mansions. So if you're looking for a trailer park in heaven, you won't find one. There's plenty of mansions up there. If you don't like the blessed life, if you don't like living uh, uh, abundant and having more than enough that kind of makes you kind of a, a rude person because if you don't have more than enough then you can't bless anybody else if all you want to do is have enough for you too and that's it that's pretty rude i'm not even i'm not even sure that 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 that's a christian idea to only have you know just enough for you because the bible says he blesses you to be a blessing so throughout your life it's our job to prepare the way for God and in your life and in my life we have several different ways that we do that but I want to point out a few in Matthew chapter number three we see a guy named John the Baptist John the Baptist is Jesus cousin the Bible says that whenever Mary uh, Jesus's mom walked in the room where John the Baptist was in his mother's belly the Bible says that John the Baptist leapt on the inside of his mom and from that day he was filled with the Holy Spirit so if you believe that abortion is okay then you would have killed John the Baptist before John the Baptist had a chance to preach the good news of the gospel and the way of the, and to prepare the way of the Lord so abortion is not of God I didn't mean to turn this sermon into a soundbite but so many times in our life, we get to places where there is a there's an idea of what's right. And then there's actually what's right. But God has said from the beginning of time to prepare the way of the Lord. So in Matthew chapter three, it says this. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Number one, John the Baptist was preaching. 
I know there's a lot of teachers out there, and I like to teach the Scripture as well. We don't check our brains when we walk into church. On the contrary, we believe God to give us revelation about the Scripture. We don't think that there's a dissection of science and faith. On the contrary, there's an intersection of science and faith, which will explain everything that science cannot, and it will put you in a position to be better uh, suited and better ready for the trials and tribulations that come in this world. But throughout your life and throughout my life, there is a necessity for every person to become a preacher. Now, when I say preacher, I don't want you to just picture somebody standing in the front with a microphone. I'm talking about somebody who proclaims the good news of God. The Bible says John the Baptist was out in the wilderness, and when he was out in the wilderness, he was proclaiming, he was preaching, he was telling people with some urgency. You see, the time clock of heaven and earth colliding is coming to an end very soon. There's a day coming whenever wickedness is going to pass away, and you and me are going to be raised up and meet Jesus Christ in the sky with the saints who've gone before us. But until that day comes, it's your job, and it's my job to proclaim, prepare the way of the Lord. In your life and my life, we have the opportunity to do this from, from, from day to day and moment to moment. But if we don't get serious about proclaiming the good news of God, who is? You can go to any NFL stadium and you can know in five minutes whose stadium it is because of how they proclaim the goodness of their team, the fact that their team's going to win, the fact that they've got their jerseys and everything else. They are proclaiming the information that's in front of them. Christians have to get good at proclaiming God's word. We've got to get ready to give the answer that I don't care if I serve God on a mountaintop, Abraham. I don't care if I serve God in a valley, David. I don't care if I serve God in a fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I don't care if I serve God in a boat, Noah. I don't care if I serve God in a shipwreck, Paul. I don't care if I serve God anywhere I have to serve God. Where you will find me, you will find me proclaiming the good news of God. I'm preparing the way. Everything about your life is screaming, prepare the way. Repent ye, verse 2 says, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent because the kingdom of heaven is near. When's the last time you really had a moment of repentance? It's quiet in here, brother. When's the last time you repented of something? When's the last time you were ugly with your wife and instead of just apologizing, you did what the Bible said and you repented? You see, I got a little boy. He's five years old. He came up here singing. I was so proud of him. When it got to the worship song, I saw him take his little camouflage hat off and put it down. And he closed his little eyes and began to worship. And I thought, man, there goes the next generation preacher right there. I'm so glad. But when he comes in our house out in Curtin, we live in Curtin, he does this to the door. He runs in and he grabs the door and he slams it trying to knock it off the hinges. And my wife, who's the nicest human being I've ever met, says to him without exception, baby boy, don't slam that door. And as he's running to his room to go get some more BBs for his BB gun, he'll say, sorry. But then 30 minutes later, when he needs more BBs again, he'll come in the house wham slam the door again and my wife his mom will say this baby boy don't slam that door again sorry 
Then the third time he comes in, it's just like what you would expect. And he's about to slam the door. And mama says, if you slam that door one more time, I'm going to tell your daddy. Yes, ma'am. You see, there is an apology and there is repentance. But if you're a rude, ugly person and all you do is apologize, I don't even want to be your friend. I need you to meta noe is what it's called in the Greek. Change your mentality. John the Baptist said this. Change your mentality because Jesus is almost here. The Spirit of God says the same thing today. The Bible says that you and I have the mind of Christ. The Bible also says that you and me are saved by grace. Now, the interesting thing about this grace that we're saved by is it's accessible to everybody that's walking planet Earth. The problem is you have to choose grace. You have to choose God. You have to choose to walk in the salvation that God has. It's the same scenario with the mind of Christ. You can't have two different minds. The Bible says that a double-minded man is sure to fall. You can't have it both ways. You can't have one foot in here and one foot over here. You either have to live for God or, goodness gracious, get out of the way and let us do it. We haven't been having church on Wednesday night. This is more of a Wednesday night message. So if y'all would, just pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you right now to give us our building that we may meet more and get together more and lift up your name more. We ask in Jesus' name that you would reveal it to us soon. Thank you for preparing it. In Jesus' name, amen. You've got to prepare the way for God. You've got to change your mind. When the devil comes in like a flood, you have to change your mind. When the doctor comes with a bad report, the first thing you have to change is not the report. You have to change your mind. Let me tell you what happened to Jesus. They told him, we're going to kill you. And they did. They told him, we're going to beat you up. And they did. They told him, we're going to spit on you and mock you and nail you to a wooden post in front of your mom. And they did. But it never changed his mentality. He never stopped being the king of kings, even though he was walking where you and I walk. He never stopped being the God who never changes, even though he was taking the steps that you and I have to take daily. In your life and my life, we have to get to the point where we begin to prepare the way. Verse 3 says this, For this is that which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make His paths straight. Make His paths 
straight. Prepare the way of the Lord. When you have Thanksgiving in about a month and you've got all the turkey and all the dressing and all the the pies and all the cakes and everything getting ready to go, it's going to be important to the people who come over that they understand that you have prepared for them what they expected and you didn't wait until 1130 or 1230 on Thanksgiving Day to decide, oh, we better start thawing out the turkey. No, no, no. You prepared for your visitor. Jesus is coming back, but he did something very interesting in the book of Acts. He says, here's the deal. He says, I'm going to leave you guys, but I won't leave you comfortless. What I'm going to do is I'm going to send you one who's going to baptize you. And when he baptizes you, not only are you going to be filled with power, but you're also going to be filled with peace. You're also going to be filled with comfort. Jesus is coming back just like he left. That means the way he left, people saw a man raise up into heaven, and there will be a day when Jesus comes back the same way. He's going to look like Jesus. He's going to sound like Jesus. He's going to talk like Jesus because he's going to be Jesus. But the Holy Spirit is here right now. And he's trying to get in your situation and help. The problem is we don't prepare the way. The problem is we don't wait, make straight the path. This comes from an interesting context. It comes from a context of like this. There used to be a custom when a king would travel somewhere that they would send a group in front of the king's chariot and smooth out the road in front of him. They would send out a group that would get rid of all the potholes. And if there was any bumps, they would level the bumps. And if there was any low spots, they'd fill in low spots. Because they wanted that king, whenever he was on the way, they didn't want anything slowing him down. They didn't want a broken uh, chariot wheel. They didn't want a busted axle. They didn't want him to run into a ditch. They didn't want the horse to trip and fall. They didn't want anything stopping the king from getting there. You and me have got to get to a place where we remove everything from our life that slows down the king from getting there. We've got to prepare the way. And I say it like this. If not us, who? If you take the Bible and you throw it out, you have tossed out the medicine that humanity needs. If you take the Holy Scripture of God and you decide to prostitute it for some kind of profit instead of being in a position where you're presenting it as blameless and faultless that we may be changed, not that we may change it, then you're not preparing the way for the one who's coming. There's nothing like our God. There's no other God like Him. He doesn't change. He doesn't get tired. He's not slow or slack. He's not weak in any area. He is righteous and holy and pure. And if you want Him to get there on time, you better make a way that's smooth. He's holy. He's upright. In a moment, in a breath, He could be here tomorrow. What if God allowed you to hear the voice of your friends and family being thrown into the fiery pit without any chance of being recovered? Would you tell them about Jesus then? Prepare the way of the Lord. Make His way straight. How do you prepare? Number one, do not be deceived. There are absolutes in this kingdom. It's called doctrine. There's a difference between doctrine and conviction. I'll get there in just a minute. 
If this is your first time at New Heights Church, you've caught us on a rare Sunday. Doctrine, conviction. Here's some of the absolutes. There is one God. He's manifested three ways. The Father, God. The Son, God. The Holy Spirit, God. The Son came down, was born of a virgin. Non-negotiable. Absolute truth. Was crucified. Three days later rose from the dead. An angel told his mom that he was alive. He talked with his mom. Then he went and walked through a wall and talked to his disciples who were scared out of their mind because they thought they were going to be crucified next. Absolute truth. Non-negotiable. The problem is the world wants to teach nowadays that what you think is right is right for you and what you think is right is right for you and whatever anybody thinks, as long as you don't step on anybody else's toes, it's no problem. Let me tell you something. The road to hell was paved with good intentions. There are absolutes in this kingdom and they begin with he is one God manifested three ways who had a son who sent his son to die on our behalf who was crucified, dead and rose from the dead and he's the only one alive today. You find me any other Messiah that's not dead and will talk. But if you got a God and your main prophet is still bones in a box then don't talk to me about your God. I don't serve him just because of the Bible. I serve him because eyewitnesses who walked with him and watched him get crucified, who walked with him and watched him get mocked and to show the unbelievable restraint when me and you nailed to a tree, if we'd have had the ability to call legions of angels to smite everybody that was against us, we would have done it. In that moment, he showed restraint that no person could have done unless they were fully God and fully man. When he said, Dad, you've got to forgive them because they don't know what they're doing this is the kind of god that i serve meekness oftentimes is mistaken for weakness one of the definitions for meekness is strength under control the strongest thing that has ever been if it be lawful to call him a thing hung on a tree while angels were waiting in the wings saying Jesus let us get them he said no this is the only way I can get them you've got to prepare the way for God and if we don't who will There's absolutes. These are some of the absolutes. There's some convictions. These are things that maybe you do or you don't do, but it's not necessarily doctrine for everybody in the world that's a Christian to behave this way. Here's an example. There was a guy named Smith Wigglesworth. He was a great evangelist who was accredited with raising several people from the dead, countless miracles, overwhelming power that he walked in. And then there's another guy named Dr. Lester Sumrall, and Smith Wigglesworth poured into his life, and both of their ministries were filled with demons running in every direction and people getting healed and life-changing revivals breaking out. And one day, the Bible, not the Bible says, but history tells us that Dr. Lester Sumrall was going to Smith Wigglesworth's house, and he was carrying a newspaper, and he was just going to be nice because he'd already read the newspaper and he was going to take it to Smith Wigglesworth's house and he knocked on the door and Smith Wigglesworth told him he said you get that newspaper away from my house because the only thing in my house is going to be the word of God now Dr. Summerall wasn't wrong for having a newspaper but brother Wigglesworth had conviction 
about what came in his home. There are absolutes and there are convictions. And your convictions ought to help prepare the way for God. They ought to smooth out the potholes and the rough areas in your life. They ought to make it where God is not wondering if you want him in the atmosphere, but knowing this is somebody who wants me close. For some of you, it might be as simple as this. I'm going to listen to Christian music. Do you have to listen to Christian music if you're a Christian? No. But don't you want his presence? The devil gets a good rap and God gets a bad rap. The devil is thought of as this guy with a pitchfork and a slick suit that wants to give you a bunch of stuff, but Christians don't want you to play with him because he's too much fun. That's completely and totally false doctrine from the pits of hell. The bottom line is God, who would withhold not his own son, would not withhold anything from you, and it is the devil who has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. There's this dichotomy of thoughts, and if the devil can get you to believe that somehow God wants to withhold something from you, Pastor Larry talked so good today, let me tell you something, God does not make his children sick. That's called child abuse. What he does is he's the God that heals. God does not throw his children in a fire. God is the one who meets his children in the fire dances with them and walks them out. This is the God that we serve and it's your responsibility and my responsibility to prepare the way. Jesus said this, Matthew 12, 33. Make the tree good or make the tree corrupt and his Fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by its fruit. Have you ever seen a tree with bananas on one side and apples on the other? Make the tree good or make the tree corrupt. You don't have to be an arborist. Matter of fact, my children can walk up to a tree with bananas hanging off of it and tell you what kind of tree it is. You know a tree by the fruit that it produces. But the interesting thing is found in the first few words. Make the tree. Make the tree. Purpose the tree. You see, the Bible says it this way. It says you're going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water whose leaves don't wither and you'll bring forth your fruit and your season. God says, I want you to be like a tree. A tree is steadfast. A tree may blow in the wind, but its roots are held firm. A tree is a place where other people can come and find shade. A tree is a place where somebody can come and find sustenance and be refreshed whenever they're dry and dying. A tree is a place of refuge. A tree is a place where somebody can build a home. A tree is a place where God has called you to be a benefit to those around you. But you have to decide, are you going to make your tree yourself good or are you going to be corrupt? He delivered you from wickedness. He delivered you from evil thoughts. He delivered you from unrighteousness. 
He delivered you from things unholy. And he says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to call you holy. I'm going to call you upright. Everybody else has got to bow when they walk in here. But you bathed in my blood can walk boldly into this throne room and make your request known. And then we play pity pat. With wickedness. Make the tree good. Or make the tree evil. You see, the fruit of a tree comes from the root of a tree. Some things can lie to you. We had a tree one time in our backyard. And, and it was growing these beautiful limes. And I thought, man, look at these limes. And we were so excited because we never had a fruit tree. And the limes got about lime size. And I went and got me a lime and I cut it and I, and I squeezed it in some water. It was like drinking gasoline. It was terrible. But my wife and I, we wanted to be proud of our limes. So we were like, boy, this, mm, this, this lime, boy, it's almost ripe. It's almost ripe. So we waited another week or two. Lime got a little bigger. Cut that thing open. Licked it. It made it pucker up, you know. It was terrible. Worst lime imaginable. So we're lying about it. We're like, oh, man, these limes are so good. We got the best lime tree on the planet. It's terrible limes. Now the week goes by, limes get bigger. I said, I'm going to try it again. Say, that was terrible. Another week goes by, and the limes are starting to go bad. They're starting to turn kind of yellowish orangey. And they were oranges. Make you like a tree planted by the rivers of water whose leaf will not wither and bring forth its fruit. Listen to me, listen to me right here. In its season. I know you're believing God for something. So am I. Don't worry. If the season's not there, it doesn't mean it's not coming. It just means it's not there yet. The fruit comes from the root, from the outside. I thought we were dealing with limes. We were dealing with premature oranges, which, by the way, were amazing. The fruit from the root. You see, just because you do something good does not mean it's good. Walk somebody across the street from the outside, that really looks like a good deed. But if halfway across the street, the only reason you walked them across the street is so you could pick their pocket on the way. Make the tree good or make the tree corrupt. First Thessalonians 5. I'm going to start in verse 15. Somebody say amen or omi, one of the two. Like I said, this is a Wednesday night message. How we prepare, number one, we're not deceived. There are absolutes. Number two, we live out our convictions. Number three, you develop a lifestyle of godliness. Develop a lifestyle of godliness. That doesn't mean you have to dress like anybody. Doesn't mean you have to walk like anybody. 
It doesn't even mean you have to talk exactly like somebody else. It means that your lifestyle is geared towards smoothing the path between where the promise of God is and where the promise of God is going to meet you. A lifestyle of godliness. To know what is right and to not do it. To him that is sin. Sin is what put Jesus on a cross. If you don't hear anything else this morning, stop sinning. What you know to be right, do it. What you know to not be right, do not do it. The Bible says the righteous fall a thousand times, but they get back up. If you mess up, don't just apologize. Metanoe. Change your thinking and change your life. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 15. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. It's not your job to get even. It's not your job to get what's right. It's not your job to render a guilty verdict because somebody has wronged you. You trust God with your soul. You believe that if you were to die, you would be a bloody spot in the ground saying, Jesus is saving my soul even now. Wouldn't it be easier to believe when he said vengeance is his? That you don't have to repay evil just because your brother-in-law said something ugly to you? What would your life look like if you prepared the way for God? What would your life really look like if you started working on the rough patches, believing God that he's coming down the trail? What would your ministry look like? What would your children look like if they never heard you say a coarse word to your spouse? Prepare the way of the Lord. Verse 16. Rejoice evermore. 17. Pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. Never lose communication with God. Don't you know what it's like when you don't talk to somebody, even though you still love them, but you don't talk to anybody for a couple of weeks or a month or six months, and then you see them, and it's, it's not that you don't know each other. It's just that you're just a little bit out of step. Pray without ceasing. If you don't know how to pray, pray this way. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. If you don't know how to pray, how do you talk to your best friend? Everybody in here has a friend except Johnny. Just kidding. You got a friend in me. You got a friend in me. <laughs> I don't remember the rest of it. How do you talk to your best friend? In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I prayed and prayed about this one thought. 
How do you give thanks in everything? How do you give thanks when the seams are bursting? When the enemy has stormed the gates? When it couldn't get any worse? One of my best friends in the world lost his son in a car wreck. His son was the kind of son you'd want to have. Spent his life on mission trips, loving people, loving God. His, they, they called him sunshine and happy because he was just always smiling. One of the kindest people you've ever met, ever, would take his shirt off and give it to you if he thought you wanted it. This is the way he was. And I remember hugging my friend. We were both crying. And I remember thinking, it can't get any worse than this. This. It can't get worse than this. About six months later, my friend's best friend's son in the room next door, his daddy was in this room, the son was in the room next door, took his own life. And I remember the Lord reminding me, you can always find something to be thankful for. My friend who died in a car wreck, it was overwhelmingly tragic, and I'm not minimizing either one. But if I had to choose one to deal with, Maintain a lifestyle of thanksgiving. Number 19. This is a big one. This is a, this is a huge one. Quench not the Spirit. Do not extinguish the Spirit of God. Isn't it interesting that Jesus Christ rode on a boat to a place called the Gadarenes, and when he got there, there was a man there who had 6,000 demons on the inside of him, and the 6,000 demons could not stop Jesus from telling them what to do. He threw them into the pigs. The pigs committed suicide and ran off a cliff. 6,000 demons. And then a couple people from town said, Jesus, we'd rather you not be here. He said, no problem. Got on the boat and left. The Holy Spirit of God wants to do a work in your life, but He's like Jesus. He's got all the power. He's got all the authority. But He doesn't go places He's not invited. He stays. Quench not the Holy Spirit. See what the Holy Spirit would have you to do. What if you were driving to work and said, God, what would you have me do today? Sometimes it's going to sound like nothing. And that does not mean do nothing. <laughs> but what if he said, well, that co-worker, invite him to church. That loved one, call him. Tell him you've been thinking about it. Don't extinguish the Spirit of God. Despise not prophecy. Despise not prophecy. The gifts of the Spirit are supernatural and overwhelming, and they revolutionize and change your life. But the Scripture continues to teach to prove all things. Meaning, don't come to church and take your brain out. 
Did you know just because somebody said God said, that doesn't mean God said? David Koresh said God said. Krishna said God said. Muhammad said God said. And then he went and killed a bunch of kids. Just because somebody says God said does not mean God said. There are people who have to have a gift of prophecy. There are people in my life who if they say God said, number one, they don't kick it around like a soccer ball. And I have all ears when they say that. But just because somebody throws down the God said this, it's important for you to know A word from God is still subject to the word of God. You can't live your life based off what somebody else said when he already said. That's not to say that prophecy is not overwhelming. There was was prophecy into my life this week. I know it was from God. How do I know? Because the bush that delivered it was consumed with God. They didn't bounce off a bar stool, just get finished cussing out their neighbor, and then come tell me that God told me to tell you. From afar, you could see that their tree bared the fruit that God once bared. You know a tree by its fruit. You make the tree good or make the tree corrupt, but get off the fence. There's a song I love to sing. You'll hear me at my house. Our house is filled with music all the time. There's a song I love to sing when I'm really trying to stir it up. It goes like this. Zion is calling me to a higher place of praise. To stand upon the mountain... And to magnify His name. So tell all the people. Every nation. That He reigns. Not because I'm the best singer. And not because that that I'm the best piano player. Or any of those other things. It's because I want Him to know. That I am trying to make the way smooth for you to get here. Come here, Holy Spirit. Come here, O God of creation. Come here, Almighty One. Move on my behalf, healer of the sick, saver of the lost. Move in my family. Move in my home. Change me from the inside out. Prove all things. Make sure it lines up with His Word. Don't quench His Spirit. Last verse I want to read. Abstain from all appearance of evil. 2 Timothy 1 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. It's Halloween week. The devil gets more press over the next seven days than he gets the other 51 weeks of the year. Do you really want God to show up in your life? 
It's okay with me if you don't, but I don't have the medicine for you. But if you really do want God, because this town, I, I love Bryan College Station. If you don't know, my wife and I moved here two years ago with one purpose and one purpose alone, and that's to come and answer the call of God on our life, to come and uh, be a part of building a powerful church that becomes a refuge. If you don't want an encounter with God, that's fine. But if you do, He has not changed. He is upright, and He's asking you to be upright. He's holy, and He's asking you to pursue holiness. Very boldly, His Word says, abstain from the appearance of evil. I don't care how much the world likes Halloween. As for me and my house, we don't serve the devil. Doctrine, conviction. I mention that specifically because I didn't want you to think that this is just a conviction of mine. God says, make the tree holy, make the tree good, or make it corrupt. Show me a Dracula that you think is good. Show me a witch. Did you know that if the devil can convince your children that, that, that hocus pocus is all just baloney, then they won't believe the supernatural power of God's real either? If the devil can convince your kids that it's all make-believe anyway, they'll believe the Holy Spirit is make-believe. We just decided to tell our kids the truth. There is a devil. Witches and warlocks serve him. And we do not. Make the tree good or make the tree corrupt. Wickedness is not how prayers get answered. Wickedness is not how prayers get answered. Wickedness is not what God turns and runs to. Wickedness just as well be a Holy Spirit quencher or the extinguisher thereof. Some of you may have not known any of this, and if it's new to you, prove it to be true. You don't have to take my word for it. Read your Bible. I just read the Bible to you. I hate the fact that I've got to walk my kids in a grocery store and see a demon mask. 
364 days of the year, we teach them according to what Paul wrote Timothy, that we didn't get a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. But here's the day where we want to scare your brains out so you can't sleep for the rest of the year. What, what kingdom is that? It's debauchery. It's heathenism. It's wickedness. It's evil. And here in just a minute, I'm going to say this, and I, and I say it as polite as possible. We're going to pray against the devil and the powers that are trying to influence this next generation. And I would even say this, with respect, I promise you, with respect, if you don't want to be a part of that prayer, when we stand up in a minute, you're, you're free to go. But God told me I don't want everybody. I'm not looking just for everybody. But I am looking for somebody who believes my word. So I'm just not going to back up on this one. I'm not going to allow wickedness filth to be the standard in the body of Christ and not speak against it. Did you know they killed Paul for this kind of talk right here? They liked their own traditions and customs more than they liked the word of the Lord. Some of you have some decisions to make. I can't make them for you and I'm okay if you don't. Get the wickedness out of your house. If you're a Christian, get the wickedness out of your home or quit asking God. Serve Him or leave Him. Make the tree good or make the tree corrupt. You prepare the way by preparing the way. There's nothing in hell that you want. I promise you. But everything in hell wants you there. Can we be holy? Can we live a godly life? Can we abstain from the appearance of evil and make it the standard? I dream of a day when we have a strong enough group that says, if y'all put that up in the grocery store, this group is going to shop somewhere else. I dream of a day when somebody at school decides they're going to do this and this, and we say, fine. None of our kids are coming. I dream of a day when the culture of godliness comes from the position that it was designed to come from, which is the body of Christ and not some political aspiration of somebody who thinks they have a stump to speak on. I dream of a day When Christians, on purpose, abstain from evil and the appearance thereof.
Let's all stand to our feet, if you would, please.